Welcome to Putting Up Numbers, the podcast about uniform numbers. Here we break down the stories behind the numbers, talk about the all-time greats who made the number iconic, and give you the last word in greatness, our uniform number hall of fame. You can also hit us up at puttingupnumbers.com and give us your picks. I'm Tom Davis here in Los Angeles, and joining me from Dallas for the last school fiesta of the year, it's Rudy Klanick. Rudy, it's our season one finale. What's our number for season one, my friend? Number 17. Number 17, 17 is our final number of season one. And uh, we ended it with a bang. One of your mentors, uh, one of your buds. Uh, yeah, really cool. a mentor, my hero, the whole thing. This has been really cool, this whole first season, I have to say, just because yeah. of the people that we've met. But I always knew that I wanted to do Jim Hart at some point, just because I got a chance to work with him when I was a little kid, and or a little kid, I guess I was 23 at the time. Yeah. But I grew up watching him and stuff. You know, He went to college in my hometown uh, and ended up playing in the NFL for 19 years, so he was always somebody that I followed and always somebody that I admired. And then I got to meet him and I got to hang out with him and I got to be a friend of his and he's just the coolest guy in the world. So I'm glad that we had the chance to sit down with him. He was awesome. He was fun to get to know for me and had some great stories. And I thought we had a, uh, we had an excellent interview to, uh, to end season one. Well, let's get to that excellent interview. Shall we? Here is Rudy Klanick, Tom Davis, and the great number 17, Jim Hart. So, folks, we started this podcast with Rudy's Jersey number hero, and we're ending season one with mine. Jim Hart was undrafted out of Southern Illinois, the Harvard of the Midwest, but went on to play 19 years at quarterback with St. Louis and Washington. Leading the cardiac cards of the 70s, he was a four-time Pro Bowler, NFC Offensive Player of the Year in 1974, and NFL Man of the Year in 1975. When he retired, only Johnny Unitas and Fran Tarkenton had thrown for more yards, and he was 10th all-time in touchdown passes. His 23 career game-winning drives is on par with Hall of Famers like Y.A. Tittle, Ken Stabler, Dan Fouts, and Terry Bradshaw. After his playing days, he was a successful restaurateur and broadcaster and was athletic director at his alma mater, SIU, where he hired me, of all people, in 1989. He was enshrined in the Cardinals' ring of honor in 2017, and at 76, he could still beat both Rudy and I at golf. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, my mentor, my quarterback, Jim, welcome to Putting Up Numbers. Well, thank you. And I could say those same things about you and in our relationship through the years. It's been great. Thanks for inviting me on. Happy to have you. R- Rudy knows the esteem that I hold you in. So uh, hopefully <laughs> I won't get too too gushy here. But uh, we are talking about uniform numbers. So let's start. You were 16 in college at SIU, obviously. You were seven your rookie year, and then you ended up with 17. How did you get to 17, Jim? Wow. Well, it, it even goes back farther than that. I was 66 as a freshman in high school. I was uh, number 10 as a junior and senior in high school. And then I and you said the rest. But when I got to the Cardinals, I uh, I was so happy to be there. I didn't want to say anything, do anything that was going to uh, jeopardize my position. I was in the NFL and undrafted, and I was just so tickled. I, I got goosebumps uh, every time I went out on the field. And uh, number seven was in my locker, and I thought, well, that, that's what they assigned me. Uh, I didn't have, know I had a, a, an opinion. So I, I did go to the PR. Well, after the, after that first year, after 66, I went to the PR director. And because I had made the team, uh, I guess, and uh, 
I was going to be uh, the starting quarterback in 67. And so I, I went to the PR guy and I said, uh, is, uh, is there any rhyme or reason why uh, I have number seven? And, and they said, no, I, not that I know of. And, and uh, I thought that was your number. And well, <laughs> obviously they didn't get a, a game program from Southern Illinois. So, but <laughs> I said, no, I, I, I wore number, uh, number 16 in, in college and um, 16 was already taken. So I, I thought, well, how about if I just do 17 and no one would know the difference. It was just a, I add a one to my Jersey and everyone said, Oh yeah, yeah. He was 17. I, yeah. I remember that. So I became 17. Jim, we, we talked to a lot of folks that they may not have had a big story about why they chose a number, but then they wore the number so long it became part of them. Is, has that been the case with 17? Oh, no question about it. That's how people rem- remember me now. Uh, Billy Kilmer was another one who wore number 17 when I got to play with the Redskins that one year. I asked Billy, because uh, uh, Billy and I had been friends through the years, having played against each other and played golf. Uh, I said, Bill, do you mind if I wear 17? Oh, I'd be honored if you wore that. That'd be great. And I said, I, I will honor your, your request and not wear it if that's what you want. No, no, that's fine. So that was, that was kind of neat that uh, somebody of Billy's stature would say, okay, yeah, you can wear 17 because you hear all the time about somebody going to another team and somebody's got that number and, and it could be an all pro or whatever. And they, I'm not giving you my number. I'm not giving up my number. And here's a, here's an all pro like Billy Kilmer saying, Oh, sure. Go ahead. You got it. So that was kind of neat. That's awesome. In 1968, I was uh, Rudy and I were two years old, but you appeared in the movie <laughs> Paper Lion. And as it turns out, I thought that that was just footage from a preseason game, but it turns out you're an actor, Jim. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about the movie and about faking being injured and, and just all the stuff that happened as it related to that. Yeah, that was kind of, that was very interesting. Uh, in preseason that year, George Plimpton was on the sideline with the Detroit Lions. We played the Lions in St. Louis in preseason, and we knew that George Plimpton was going to get into the game sometime. I think they were beating us. I don't remember, but we beat them in the regular season anyway. That's what counted. But um, (laughs) so George got in the in the last series, I guess. It was kind of interesting at first, and then it got to be boring as all get out because <laughs> we were there from early early afternoon and it was a night game in preseason so we had to wait till night to do the, the acting portion of it it was kind of fun afterward and then then seeing it on the big screen was uh, oh wow that's pretty neat second year in the league and i'm on in, in the movies i was taken out of the game in preseason because uh, alex karras decked me pretty good and uh, and i was was a little woozy, but I, I wasn't as woozy as it, it played out in the movie because they took me out with two guys on either side and, and they, they said, look like you've been hurt. And I said, well, I've been there, so I can do it. And <laughs> we did that. <laughs> so they, everybody thought that was real. And I go, no, that, oh, come on, that was real. I said, no, <laughs> I was acting. See, that's a testament <laughs> to what a great actor you are that, that nobody is. knew the difference. For, and now all well, these years you set I, the record straight. Everything I've done has been acting. I mean, uh, radio, <laughs> television, uh, athletic director. I mean, you, you had to act out things all the time and uh, never show your true <laughs> true thoughts. So I better not well, say too much more. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the postscript to that story that you told me one time was you came over to shooting from your day job 
at a bank. That's right. In yeah, the postseason, because you didn't, you had a job in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. you know, not everybody was making millions and millions of dollars. So you oh. came over from your day job yeah. to act at, in this that, movie, right? At that point, I was making uh, $24,000. I made 12000 my first year. In this, my second year, I became a starter. So they doubled my salary and they thought that was a lot of money. And, and I'm looking at uh, Namath making 600000 I'm going, what? <laughs> What's going on here? But, I mean, you don't, you don't argue. It's not like today where you have free agency or you can uh, say, oh, I'm going to go play someplace else. No, you either can play there or you weren't going to play. So you, they said, how's 24000 Okay. <laughs> Incidentally, in 1989 or 90, I made $24,000. So thanks, Jim, for passing no, that forward. We paid I, you I more appreciate than that. that. Didn't we? Uh, Didn't we pay I think you more it was like, that? actually, I want to say it was 23.5, and it seemed like all the money in the world to me. <laughs> oh, I apologize. I so. apologize for that. <laughs> well, That's I obviously survived, so it was okay. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't on the street or anything like that, so it worked out fine. Yeah, you're in a closet right now. What are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. I'm in a closet. You know, Is that so, where you are? Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. Jim, speaking of acting, you had to act a little bit during a radio call. You called the fog game, the mm. famous Bears fog game. Tell us what that was like. Oh, that was wild. It was uh, it was a little bit overcast when we started the game and it just got progressively worse as it, it went on by halftime. It was it was difficult to see the field. You could see it better on television than you could with just your eyes. So looking at it uh, out of the booth, you really couldn't tell numbers. So we had to rely on the uh, video and the uh, monitors in our booth. And uh, Wayne Larry was our play-by-play, and he was complaining pretty hard. But but he he really relied on knowing uh, numbers and stuff, and it was difficult for him. And at halftime, he was going to send us down to uh, down to the field and uh, ask us to do the the color. From the sideline, I didn't like the idea. Dick Buckus didn't like the idea. He was our other analyst. And we talked Wayne out of that because uh, what could we have added down there? First of all, it's the worst seat in the house. And uh, we could see enough to call the game as it should be, which was okay. First of all, I want to go back and listen to Jim Hart and Dick Buckus doing color, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Dick Buckus. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know that. It got kind of interesting every once in a while. Like, well, of course, the Bear defense, they were tough. And they wreaked havoc on the the opposing quarterback, something fierce. And and, uh, one time Wayne Larrabee said, uh, hey, hey, Jim, did Dick ever hit you like that? And oh, for for milliseconds, I I searched my brain thinking, holy cow, if I say no and he remembers it, he's going to be mad at me. So and I said, put my hand on Dick's shoulder and I said, Dick, I don't remember you hitting me like that. And he turned and looked at me and he goes, you know, I don't remember doing that either. He said, maybe I'll do it right now. (laughs) Wait a minute, big fella. (laughs) Well, Jim, you obviously played in the 70s, an an era before they threw the ball the way that they throw the ball in the league now. When when you watch games and you think back to that sort of era Coriel style, does it make you want to play now? Because you kind of would have fit now, right? Because you threw the ball as well as anybody in the league. Maybe you don't run the way that Kyler Murray and some of those other guys do, but... um, I mean, do you feel like you maybe were out of your element or maybe you came along at the wrong time because you were a guy who threw in a league that really didn't throw that much? 
Well, I did. I did come along at a, at a time that uh, was appropriate for uh, for for that time. Really, uh, I think back on it and and uh, say, "Wow, my numbers could have been a lot lot better." But hey, we had a good time. We we had a good coach, and uh, no, I don't I don't begrudge the guys today. But it it all depends on the coach and the style that they that they have and the and the and the, uh, the personnel that they have. And we had some pretty good personnel with uh, Terry Metcalf and uh, Jim Otis. And, and then we had uh, receivers like Jackie Smith and Mel Gray, Pat Tilly. They were good. Our offensive line was was really great. We uh, we tied the record for least number of sacks in 1975, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And in that particular year, I was only sacked four times out of the six because Jim Bakken, our place kicker, uh, was sacked once on a, on a bad snap. And uh, the re- the backup quarterback got sacked once, so I was only sacked four times all year. These guys they get sacked four or five times a game, and uh, I just t- I want to tell them when you get in your seventies, you're going to feel it because I feel it with just those few. What did you get those guys for Christmas, man? Four sacks? That's got to be something. I uh, treated them to dinner at Deerdorf and Hearts restaurant steakhouse (laughs) we didn't have the money that we had back then they were happy with it though and and uh, we had a good camaraderie well you mentioned jim bakken and it's almost thanksgiving and i know that one year you told me a story about having to practice on thanksgiving day can you tell me that story again for these folks sure practiced a long time actually we uh we had a regular practice regular practice so we did our practice and we're all set to run in, take our showers, and get home with our families. And he goes, "Okay, on on the line." And we all looked at each other. You got to be kidding me! He goes, "So we had to line up on the on the end zone line, and run hundred yard dashes." And we ended up only doing four, but four is still <laughs> once too many on, on this particular day. So we we stand there waiting to, uh, or a- after we've run those four, we're on the standing on the line again thinking, oh, gosh, is he going to make us do it again? Then he stops and says, guys, on behalf of the uh, Cardinal organization and, and the coaching staff and myself, I'd like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, everybody was like, you got to be kidding me. Who cares, you know? And uh, so after he said that, uh, Jim Bakken raised his hand and stepped forward. To say what he said it was just amazing. He said, coach, on behalf of the players here, we took a vote and – the vote was 10 to 40 to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> he didn't get it. And all of us went, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, guys, take it in. And we go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, Tom, I think we have our, our first guest for next season, Jim Bakken, uh, yeah. who's number 25. <laughs> We're in, man. <laughs> uh, talk about good golfer. Jim was the best golfer on our team by, by far, like a, a four handicap, three or four handicap. I was there once. I'm now 18. <laughs> yeah. So well, my handicap is I own a set of clubs. So, <laughs> and you've played with me, so you know that I'm terrible. But uh, I don't remember but, that being that bad. Oh, it was. Then you you're being very kind because I'm, <laughs> I'm horrible. 
I'm well, really, I'm 76 really... years old, so I don't remember a lot of things. <laughs> that's true. Well, th- th- thankfully, that's not one of the things that you remember. I would I would hate for you to uh, associate. I remember all those good game. times that we had. But we had some good ones. Good for sure. parties. For, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Parties at your house were great. Yeah. Well, you are a great golfer, and you know we want to get you involved in as many charity tournaments as is possible at cool places like Pebble Beach and Bandon Dunes and TPC Sawgrass and all that. So how do people get in touch with you, Jim, so that they can get you into their tournament? I can be reached by uh, Google, I'm sure, because I still get uh, requests for uh, pictures every single day. We just had dinner with Sonny Jurgensen recently, and and they were saying, they, he and his wife were saying, well, you need to charge for that. And I'm going, I never have charged for that. And I'm not going to start now. Anybody can find me. Kids find me. I get these letters from all over, from Alaska, from Montana, from California to Connecticut. It's kind of neat that they would uh, remember me. But if any of the kids are out there, uh, when, when you send letters to me, don't don't recite my uh, my statistics. OK, um, I've lived it. <laughs> I don't need a, a, a whole paragraph of of what I did. I lived it. I know what I did. Just say, can I have a picture? Okay. <laughs> but that's nice that they remember like that. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I've said it on this podcast, but I haven't said it to you, Jim. So it's amazing when your heroes are better than what you anticipated, because quite often, as you know, meeting sports people or just people that you admire in general, sometimes it's a letdown. You never were. You're a better person than you were a football player, and that's saying a lot. So, well, maybe Mary can uh, can call on you to write my obituary. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, that's not going to happen for a really long time. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Absolutely. Thanks, well, it's, it's it was great. Thank you very thanks, much, Rudy. Take care. Our thanks to my friend, our friend now, Jim Hart for taking the time to be on Putting Up Numbers. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Rudy, let's get to it here on number 17. A pretty good number across the board in all sports, but let's start in football in honor of Jim Hart. Let's do it. Let's talk about some uh, sentimental favorites that we have. We'll tick, tick off three guys. Good, but not great players. The first one is Braylon Edwards. Jake DeLome's our second sentimental favorite. Quarterback the uh, Panthers into a Super Bowl, so he gets sentimental favorite just for that actually had a really good Super Bowl. And last but not least, Dave Craig. Yeah, Dave Craig, Jake DeLome, and Braylon Edwards are our sentimental favorites. Let's take it to the honorable mentions before we get to contenders. We got some interesting honorable mentions. Why don't you kick it off? That we do. First is Red Badgrow who played nine seasons and was all NFL four times. He was in the same rookie class with the Galloping Ghost, Red Grange. Uh, He also played professional baseball for the St. Louis Browns for two years and was elected to the Hall of Fame in 81, which is why he's on the list. Charlie Ward is also on the list. The only college guy on the list, 1993 Heisman Trophy winner at Florida State, was the only Heisman Trophy winner ever to wear number 17, or at least thus far. And he won by the fourth largest margin in history behind Troy Smith, O.J. Simpson, and Joe Burrow. He also led the Seminoles to a national championship that season, but was not drafted in the NFL, Rudy, if you remember. But he was taken 26th overall by the New York Knicks, so not all was lost, even though... Yeah, you got to play for the Knicks. He went on to play nine years in the NBA with the Knicks, Spurs, and Rockets. He wore 21 with the Knicks and then went back to 17 with the Spurs and the Rockets. He's the only Heisman Trophy winner ever to play in the NBA. 
We've got two more, Rudy. Who do we got? We got Billy Kilmer, who came up as a really, that was a cool story uh, that Jim told. Um, how great is that? That Billy Kilmer was cool with uh, Jim Hart wearing his 17. That's fantastic. Billy Kilmer played for 18 seasons, played for the 49ers Saints and the Redskins. Redskin era was really the Billy Kilmer era for me, at least. He's actually part of a really interesting play, a play I always bring up as somebody that's hustling, but running the wrong way. So anybody at work <laughs> that's really moving fast, but just always going in the wrong direction. That's the Jim Marshall play. Jim Marshall for yep. the Vikings. I think Jim Marshall was a rookie that year. Grabbed a fumble from uh, Billy Kilmer and went 66 yards, like hauling ass, 66 yards into the end zone and then flung the ball up into the stands or out of bounds. Obviously, that was a safety. You went the wrong way, Jim Marshall, but, um, but definitely part of football lore. So I thought that was great. <laughs> Yeah, um, and Billy, Billy Kilmer was a wide receiver at the time, not a quarterback, a wide oh, receiver right? at the time wow. when okay. he fumbled the ball. So he fumbled a pass uh, oh and Billy Jim Kilmer Marshall picked it up and ran it the wrong way. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I remember Billy Kilmer because uh, he was a starting quarterback for the Over the Hill gang that the Dolphins played in their perfect season. And I mean, if you watch those films, you'd think Billy Kilmer was like, I don't know, 67 when he was a starting quarterback for them. Yeah. He looks uh, such the anti-athlete, um, but great player and obviously a good guy, a good friend of Jim's. If any friend of Jim's is a friend of ours, uh, for sure. sure. And last on our list for honorable mention, uh, a Dallas favorite, Dandy Don Meredith, uh, nine seasons with the Cowboys. Good player, uh, never got them over the hump, got them to the championship and never won a championship. Really became famous kind of in our lives as one of the three uh, Monday Night Football voices that we grew up with. Turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night, the party's over. And tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. His turn out the light song became the uh, the anthem for the end of any game. And yep. uh, man, they just those guys always feel I felt like they were always drunk, probably by the fourth quarter. At least he was. <laughs> um, but it seemed like they were always having fun. And Monday Night Football couldn't have gotten any bigger at that point with Don Meredith. Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford. He was portrayed in the great movie, and we've talked about it here before, North Dallas 40. Yeah. Um, he was Peter Gens' character, Seth Maxwell, one of my favorite movie quarterbacks of all time, played uh, by the late, great Mac Davis. So, yeah, uh, or some Alfred Mac Davis. Absolutely. Ben, we've got three contenders and your guy, I'll let your, you take your guy as one of our contenders. Jim Hart is, of course, going to be a contender on this list because he is my boyhood hero. As you heard him mention, he wore 16 in college and then seven his rookie year before switching to 17. He still holds the Cardinals franchise record for most seasons with one team, which might be eclipsed maybe by Larry Fitzgerald. The Cardinals hired Don Coriel in 1973, and that really changed his career. From 74 to 76, they had three 10-win seasons and won two division titles. He went to the Pro Bowl four times. Unfortunately, 
He does hold the dubious record of most interceptions in the Pro Bowl with five. He's now 30th and 39th all-time in yards and touchdowns, as you heard in the interview, or at least in the open of the interview. He was third in yards when he retired and 10th in touchdowns. So that tells you a little bit about how the NFL game has changed. And he still holds Cardinals franchise records for career completions, yards, touchdowns, fourth quarter comebacks, and game-winning drives. Another 17 on the list is Doug Williams. And we talked about 17s who wore number 17 for the Redskins. That's what he did. He wore number 12 at Grambling and also wore number 12 for five seasons with the Buccaneers and two more in the USFL before going to Washington where he wore number 17 for four years because punter Steve Cox had the number 12 and wouldn't give it up. He's the first African-American quarterback to win the Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl 22 against the Broncos, where he was also named MVP of the game. He retired at just 33 years of age and became a coach and front office executives. Fellow quarterbacks Jason Campbell, Quincy Carter, and T. Martin all wore number 17 in the NFL to honor Doug Williams. That leaves one guy on the contender list. Rudy, who you got? Well, it's a cowboy killer, big Harold Carmichael, all six foot eight of him, wide receiver for 13 years with the Philadelphia Eagles. He actually played a year for the Cowboys just to laugh at them after all the touchdowns he scored wearing 17 for the Eagles. He walked on at Southern University where he was a teammate of a fellow Hall of Famer, Mel Blunt. Uh, he's a member of the All-Decade Team in the 70s and was NFL's Man of the Year in 1980. Uh, that same year, he set an NFL record with a catch in 127 consecutive games. That record was later broken by Steve Largent. Tony Gonzalez, and then smashed to smithereens by Jerry Rice. Larry Fitzgerald actually holds the active streak of 250 and counting. Jerry's is out there still at 274. Amazing. Harold Carmichael was fifth in career receptions and seventh in touchdowns when he retired. He's now 85th and 29th, respectively. Oddly, the 17 is not retired by the Eagles, um, but he is in this year's class of inductees in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Those are three good contenders. I think we line up a little bit better in other sports, but football, solid effort led by your man, Jim Hart. Let's push it over to baseball. One of my favorite all-time players, he he ranks a sentimental favorite, but I'll let you go through your sentimental favorites here on baseball and see if you can figure out which is one of my all-time favorite players. Go ahead. Well, the sentimental favorites are led off with Ellis Valentine, who played for 10 years and was a part of that great outfield with the Expos with Andre Dawson and Warren Cromartie. Unfortunately, he had drug problems and alcohol problems as well. And that ended his career prematurely. He retired at 30 years of age. Aaron Bleeping Boone is also on the list for his 11th inning Game 7 home run in the ALCS against the Red Sox. That was before the Red Sox were super annoying and were still the can-do team back in the day, and now everyone hates him. He is the Yankees manager now, and he's also wearing 17 there. Two guys who are on the sentimental favorite list, maybe not great players, but good players for sure. One is Oscar Gamble. The other is Mickey Rivers. The reason that both of them are on the list is for quotes. These guys had some of the greatest quotes in the history of baseball. And so I'll give you one Oscar Gamble quote, Rudy, and one Mickey Rivers quote. Oscar Gamble, who also had one of the great Afros of all time, said, they don't think it be like it is, but it do. So think about that one for a minute. They don't think it be like it is, but it do. And Mickey Rivers, who once said when Reggie Jackson said he had an IQ of 160, he said out of what? A thousand? 
And he also said, I'll give you a bonus Mickey Rivers quote. Uh, his goals one year for going into the season was he wanted to hit 300, score 100 runs, and stay injury prone. So nice job, <laughs> Mickey Rivers. So Ellis yes. Valentine, Aaron Boone, Oscar Gamble, Mickey Rivers, you are our sentimental favorites, which leads us into the honorable mention guys. And Rudy, why don't you start off there? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got four gentlemen here in honorable mention. We got Lance Berkman, um, the big Puma, wore 17 with the Astros and the Yankees, really known as an Astro, I believe. He was a six-time All-Star, won a World Series with the Cardinals in 2011. He was also named Comeback Player of the Year that year with the Cardinals. Lance Berkman, solid player, first baseman, outfielder, good hitter, I don't know, man. Mickey Rivers should be on this list. By the way, Mickey Rivers is one of my all-time favorite players. I have to get this plug in. Mickey Rivers <laughs> is a guy that every time they play, every time he played, he looked like an old man walking into the box. And then he would slap one to the left side of the infield and go down the first baseline like Deion Sanders. It was incredible. At that time, guys that were that fast, you just didn't see very often. You see big guys hitting home runs. But, man, it was fun to watch. Anyway, Mickey Rivers, love you, man. I'll let you take Doc Ellis because I want to hear the Doc Ellis story. But I'm going to grab Todd Helton on the honorable mention list. He played interesting. So he's a lot about 17. He played 17 years uh, wearing 17 for Colorado. And he still holds 17 team records. Wow. Played at five All-Star games, won four silver sluggers and three gold gloves. Won a batting title in 2000. Uh, he played football and baseball at the University of Tennessee, uh, where he wore number two in football and number three in baseball. He has a distinction of being a quarterback who was replaced uh, as a starter by a young guy named Peyton Manning. Perhaps you've heard of him. Helton won the Dick Hauser Award. He's still second in NCAA history uh, with 47 consecutive scoreless innings as a pitcher. And the Volunteers uh, aptly retired his number three, and the Rockies retired his number 17 in 2013. So Todd Helton's on our list. But let's get to Doc Ellis, man. Doc Ellis has a colorful, colorful, colorful story. Yeah, you might say a psychedelic colorful history. He wore a bunch of numbers in a 12-year career with the Pirates, Yankees, A's, Rangers, and Mets, but he made his only all-star appearance where he was also the National League starting pitcher, uh, and he won a World Series. All of that happened when he was in Pittsburgh in 1971. He went 19-9 and that year and finished fourth in Cy Young voting, but he's probably best remembered for throwing a no-hitter against the Padres in 1970 while under the influence of LSD. So he was tripping out of his mind, but he is thrown against the Padres. So, you know, okay. Uh, There's a documentary, Rudy, that was made about it in 2014. It's called No, No, a documentary, D-O-C-K-U-mentary. It's well done. It's funny and it's interesting. And it talks about the whole experience of what happened with Doc Ellis taking LSD and then finding out later that he had to pitch. And so he showed up at the ballpark and the rest is history. But he's not the only honorable mention guy on the list. We got one more and he's he's a good one. Yeah, Mark Grace, War 17, uh, because Keith Hernandez, who's sneak preview, he's on our contenders list. But sneak, Keith Hernandez was his favorite player. Mark War 17 because of that. Played 16 years for the Cubs and then the Diamondbacks. 
surprised that he was only a three-time All-Star, won four gold gloves. And uh, of course, he was part of that World Series team, the Arizona team in 2001 that beat the Yankees. Uh, Hit more doubles than any player in the 90s, collected nearly 2,500 hits in his career. Mark Grace was a solid, solid first baseman for a long time but uh, didn't quite crack the contender list. We have three of them, and uh, I gave away one of them, so I'll just take him now. But uh, yeah, Keith Hernandez. First of all, what a great actor he was in that Seinfeld episode. (laughs) (laughs) Back and to the left. It's one of my favorite, many, many favorite Seinfeld episodes. Keith Hernandez is awesome. Came up with the Cardinals. He wore 18 in 1974 and 75 before switching to 37 uh, for the next seven seasons. And I have some of those baseball cards to prove it. He insisted on a number with seven to honor Mickey Mantle. He won a batting title and was co-MVP of the National League in 1979. He was then traded to the Mets in 83, where he switched to 17 because guess what? 37 was retired for Casey Stengel, their longtime manager. And he wore 17 the rest of his career. Keith was a five-time All-Star, 11-time Gold Glove winner at first base, one of the best to ever play first base, and two-time World Series champion. So Keith Hernandez, one of our three. Who is another? Well, we have Dizzy Dean, who wore number 17 for six seasons with the Gas House Gang Cardinals. He's a four-time All-Star, won an MVP in 1934 when he went 30-7. and And the Cardinals went on to win the World Series. He's also the last National League pitcher to win 30 games. He's a little bit like an early Sandy Koufax in that his career was short, but he burned bright. And his number 17 is retired by the Cardinals, which leaves us one more former Cardinal who didn't wear 17, obviously, in St. Louis. Who's that? That's Scott Rowland. I know he's up for Hall of Fame. I, I think he's he's increased his voting total, started pretty low, like in the 18s, now at 40. Needs 75% to get in. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, seven-time All-Star, uh, eight-time Gold Glove winner. Really, really could pick it at third. Was a Rookie of the Year in 97 with the Phillies, wearing 17, and also won a Gold Glove and made an All-Star appearance in that number before going to St. Louis, Toronto, and Cincinnati. He never wore 17 again in his 17-year career, but we're still loving him for 17 with the Phillies because he did some good work for them. So we've got Keith Hernandez, Dizzy Dean, and Scott Rowland on our contender list for baseball. But let's get to basketball. We've got some interesting ones in basketball. Um, When I first thought about 17 for basketball, I was like, man, I can't. I could not think of one. And then, boom, it hit me like a sledgehammer. We might have the number one guy in basketball, actually. Um, <laughs> but before we get there, let's let's get to some sentimental favorites. I'll start. I'll kick it off, as it were, with uh, the Berry brothers, uh, John and Brent Berry. So the Berry brothers wore 17, and their dad is still an irritating son of a bitch. So let's <laughs> get to the next one. Who else we got on the list? Yeah, we got Anderson <laughs> Verjao, the consummate flop artist. Uh, he wore number 17 for 11 and a half seasons in Cleveland before he he was traded to Golden State in one of the gangster moves of all time in the NBA. Rudy, he was traded from the Cavs to Golden State. And uh, you remember the Cavs won that year yep. and he was offered a championship ring from the Cavs and he turned it down. 
said he didn't want it. And then the next year, won one with the Warriors. Uh, he only played 14 games for the Warriors in the year that they won the championship, but they gave him a ring anyway. That's a gangster move by that you, Anderson Virgil, <laughs> who is probably still flopping somewhere and was the guy who really brought the sideshow Bob look into existence. And then the Lopez brothers have since taken it over. Who else do we have on the sentimental favorite list? Well, we've got uh, Mario Ellie, three-point specialist for the Rockets is my memory of him, really. Um, man, what a high school team he played for, though. He played for Power Memorial High School. If that sounds familiar, you are a Lou Elsender uh, historian because that's where Lou Elsender played. Now, Mario didn't yep. play with him, but he did play with Chris Mullen, who actually yeah. is actually on our 17 list. So what a backcourt. That must have been amazing. Mario wore 17 in honor of Mullen, who he later played with in Golden State. He won three titles or wearing 17. He played until he was 37 years old. He got a lot out of that body, man. But he he shot a lot of three-pointers, played a lot of defense. He's on our sentimental list. Who else is on our sentimental list? One is Jeremy Lin, obviously the pioneering Asian-American basketball player. He donned 17 for two of his crowning NBA achievements. One was the Lin Sanity period, which was with the Knicks. And the other was his championship run as a reserve with the 2019 Toronto Raptors. He also wore number seven. Both seven and 17, Rudy, are references to his faith. Rick Fox is the other on the list. He wore his college number, number 44, for six seasons with the Celtics and then switched to 17 when he signed with the Lakers. He chose 17 because at the time, the Lakers and the Celtics were both vying for a 17th NBA championship. He played for seven seasons and won three straight titles in L.A. He also was an actor and was in Oz and Eddie and he got game and blue chips. So, you know, the guy's got a little bit of range. But a fun fact about Rick Fox, his mother competed in the 1964 Olympics for Canada as a high jumper and pentathlete. So that's where he gets the athleticism from. Way to go, Rick Fox, you good looking bastard. Moving on, let's get into the honorable mention guys. Rudy, who we got? Well, we got Jim Pollard um, entered his professional basketball career at 26 in 1948. I think they still played in it with a peach basket at that time. Um, <laughs> he spent four post-college years in the Coast Guard during the Second World War. Um, he wore 17 for all seven of his seasons with the Minneapolis Lakers. Yes, Minneapolis Lakers earning four all-star nods and winning five titles. He is a Hall of Famer and was named that in 1978. So he's on our honorable mention list, as is Don Barksdale. He only played four seasons with Baltimore and Boston, but he's a Hall of Famer and the first African-American to earn All-American honors. First to represent his country in basketball um, at the Olympics and the first to play in an NBA All-Star game. So, man, big, big stuff for Don Barksdale. Uh, He was also the first African-American radio DJ in the San Francisco Bay Area. How about that? Um, Although he didn't play high school basketball because his coach didn't want more than one black player. Uh, he played in junior college and eventually made his way to UCLA, where his number 11 is retired. Um, he didn't start his NBA career until he was 28 because of segregation. Unfortunately, ankle injuries ended his career, but he became a very successful business person. Um, he's credited with saving high school sports in the Bay Area from collapsing. Don Barksdale is uh, an amazing story. Sounds like a 
I just read a documentary basically. I mean, that is, that that's some amazing stuff right there. Yeah. Big, bigger, maybe yeah. off the court than on, but uh, yeah, Don Barksdale is somebody definitely to be reckoned with as is Gene Conley, who is the only athlete ever to win an NBA title and a World Series. He wore number 17 on three championship Celtics teams, but was also a four-time All-Star pitcher who wore number 22 with the Milwaukee Braves, and the Braves won a World Series in 1957. So Gene Conley also makes the list, which brings up, Rudy, our contenders, and the contenders are just about as good as it gets. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. We've got two of them. I mentioned them a little bit earlier. Chris Mullen uh, wore 17 in honor of his boyhood hero, who, by the way, is on this list as well. Uh, (laughs) uh, He played, Chris played 16 years, uh, was part of one of my favorite teams, the run TMC Warriors. Also played with my favorite all-time point guard, Mr. Hardaway. I love that guy. Tim Hardaway. Ugliest left-handed shot in the history of the game until I was born, I think. Um, he also played for the Pacers, but let's let's remember Chris Mullen as a warrior. Uh, five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA player, and his number 17 has been retired by the Warriors in 2012. That brings us to the guy that he honored by wearing 17. Who is that? John Havlicek, Hondo, maybe one of the most underrated superstars in NBA history, Rudy, wore 17 for 16 years with the Celtics, scored 1,000 points in every one of those 16 years, was a 13-time All-Star, 11-time All-NBA player, an 8-time All-Defensive selection, and was the MVP of the 1974 NBA Finals just to top it off, he won eight titles with Boston and retired as the NBA's all-time leader in games played. He was also third all-time in scoring behind Wilt Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson when he retired. He's a member of the NBA's 35th and 50th anniversary all-time teams. He was also an All-American and national champion at Ohio State, where his number five is retired. Uh, he was also drafted by the Cleveland Browns as a wide receiver. Of course, the Celtics have retired his number 17, but he was an inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1984, and John Havlicek was one of the best ever. Rudy, we've got three guys in hockey. First, Wendell Clark, number one pick in the 1985 draft. He wore 17 throughout a 15-year career with three stops in Toronto. Uh, His 17 is retired in Toronto as of 2016. He's an icon there and is one of the favorite players of many of the players who currently play in the NHL. Rod Brindamore is also on the list. Rod wore 17 with the Flyers and Hurricanes. He also wore 19 and 27 in his career. He was a solid two-way player for 20 years in the NHL. His 17 is retired in Carolina where he brought them a Stanley Cup in 2006 and he's now the Hurricanes head coach. The last one on the list is Yari Curry. Yari Curry wore 17 throughout a 17-year career with Edmonton, L.A., New York, Anaheim, and Colorado. He's a five-time All-Star and five-time Stanley Cup champion because he played alongside Wayne Gretzky for a good part of his career, both in Edmonton and L.A. So Yari Curry, Rod Brindamore, and Wendell Clark, you are our hockey contenders, which brings us to the NASCAR category. Rudy, take it over. Well, David Pearson, David Pearson's come up in several of our podcasts. Uh, he won back to back. He certainly uh, had us. Yes, he won back to back championships in '68 and '69, driving the number 17 car. So that's our contender list, Rudy. 
for the last, last time, time, at least for a little while. <laughs> what do we got? Well, Jim Hart um, kind of gave us a little preview of Screen Stars, but let's have Tom Davis, yes, the great Hollywood uh, icon of Tom Davis, take us through <laughs> his top six Screen Stars. Yes, our top six Screen Stars. We, we go from car to car. So Sylvester Stallone, his car. In a terrible movie called Driven, he played a character named Joe Tanto. That movie was made in 2001. Number five, Matt Stone of South Park fame. He was Doug Remmer in a movie called Basketball from 1998. Number four, Charlton Heston as Cat Catlin in a movie called Number One from 1969. He was the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, and they repurposed number 17 Billy Kilmer footage in that movie. Cat Catlin did not get on the field in the same way that our man Jim Hart did at number three from Paper Lion 1968. Jim told you about his acting chops, and if you've seen the movie, he does look like he got knocked out in the movie consummate actor (laughs) way to go jim hart also speaking of paper lion alan alda who played george plimpton in the movie he wore number zero rudy if you remember with the lions in the game but his practice jersey was number 17 so we're going to give him a nod on the list at number two alan alda which leaves us with number one steve carlson who played Steve Hansen, one of the Hansen brothers from Slapshot, a movie that we've mentioned a lot from 1977. So Steve Carlson as Steve Hansen is our winner. Let's run through the list one more time. Sylvester Stallone's car from a movie called Driven that you should never go watch is number six. Number five, Matt Stone in Basketball. Number four, Charlton Heston in number one. Number three and number two, Jim Hart and Alan Alda, respectively, from the movie Paper Lion from 1968. And number one, Steve Carlson as Steve Hansen in Slapshot from 1977. And that's Screen Stars. Well done. Which brings us, of course, Rudy, to Hall of Shame and Derek Rose Award. The first one is a gentleman named Turk Edwards, a 60-minute workhorse in nine seasons with the Redskins. He was named All-NFL four times, elected to the Hall of Fame in 1969. So things went pretty well for Turk. But the reason that he's on the Derrick Rose Award list is that his career ended because of a freak injury sustained during a coin toss. He was 33 years of age. His cleats got stuck in the turf, Rudy, as he turned to run off the field after a coin toss. He blew out his knee and never played again. So (laughs) pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But that's the state of uh, knee injuries back in the day. So Turk Edwards then became an assistant and later a head coach with Washington and uh, was still involved with the organization through 1948. So Turk Edwards is on our list. There's a Michigan guy on the list, Rudy. So why don't you take yeah, him? Speaking of uh, unintended consequences, so Plaxico Burris, former Michigan State receiver, you know, he he caught a really big touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's a Super Bowl that the Giants shockingly beat the Patriots and cost them a perfect season. But, man, I'm going to always remember him for – bringing a gun to a nightclub in his sweatpants and shooting himself in the leg <laughs> accidentally <laughs> with it. Cheddar plaques, as he's nicknamed. 
became known, was constantly being fined. He missed two years of his prime uh, career for violating personal conduct policy. Legal troubles have followed him. He's had restraining orders, civil lawsuits, indictments for tax evasion, just a very colorful, colorful career for Plaxico Burris. What could have been a great possession receiver and a Super Bowl hero shot himself in his baggy sweats. Unfortunately, the recipient of this week's Derek Rose Award is Bob Ojeda. Bob Ojeda wore number 17 with the Dodgers and Indians. He also wore number 28 and number 19 in his career. He won a career-high 18 games in 1986 for the world champion New York Mets. But unfortunately, he's our Derek Rose Award winner because he is the lone survivor of a 1993 boating accident that killed his Indians teammates Steve Olin and Tim Cruz. Ojeda did appear late in the 93 season after he recovered from that injury with Cleveland. He appeared in two games the following year with the Yankees and then retired. If you want to read more about this story, the great sports writer Gary Smith wrote a great piece in Sports Illustrated back before that became a pamphlet called Ripples Off Little Lake Nelly, which details the accident and the aftermath and the fam- the Olin and Cruz families along with Bob Ojeda. It's a very tough read, um, but it's very, very informative. And unfortunately, Bob Ojeda is our Derek Rose Award winner for this time, which leads us to the Hall of Shame. Rudy, Take it away on the Hall of Shame. And this is a no-brainer Hall of Shame guy, am I right? Man, for sure. Denny McLean, the notorious Denny McLean, um, one of the greatest baseball seasons ever. He won 31 games throwing for the Tigers one year. Think about that for a second. It's crazy. (laughs) A starting pitcher today is lucky to get out of the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if they get through the fifth and get a win, that's like, oh, that's a big deal. This guy won 31 games at the age of 29. That was something else. I mean, he he was a really good pitcher for the Tigers, was part of their World Series championship in 1968, two-time Cy Young Award winner and was the MVP of that World Series. Uh, the year he went 31-6. and six. He won 24 games and another Cy Young a year later. So he showed he could do it again. But man, this guy was just crazy. Like he... He he was first of all okay. 1984. He's sentenced to 23 years for racketeering, extortion, and yes, wait for it, cocaine trafficking. Nice job. That conviction uh, was later thrown out for procedural grounds. So good lawyer that you had, Denny McLean. Um, but in 1996, he was convicted of embezzlement, mail fraud, conspiracy, and he was sentenced to six years in the joint, six years in prison. He was released in 2003. He's now 76. And last month, just last month, his estate sale, um, man, he sold a ton of his personal sports memorabilia. We were happy to see it did not include his World Series rings, his Cy Young Awards or his MVP award. So that's good. But man, what a what a tragic uh, turn. And I guess not really tragic. It's self-induced, but really a bad dude kind of screwed over a bunch of people after being quite the hero of Detroit. I mean, he was a World Series hero. He, I mean, they stared down Bob Gibson in 68. Yeah. Danny McClain was one of the dominant pitchers of his era for sure. So, yeah, the Hall of Shame, no brainer. Yep. Danny McClain. And here's a fun fact. The last batter that Danny McClain ever faced 
Pete Rose. So it <laughs> wow. just talk, went talk from one slimetry. guy to the other guy, right? <laughs> as far as like the gambling and the shady stuff and all those sorts of things. So that's your Hall of Shame. Congratulations, Denny McLean. Step up and claim your prize before you sell it in an estate sale later on, which moves <laughs> us to the heat check. And we're going to do something a little bit different this time, Rudy, with the heat check, because, you know, it's the last show of the season. So why not just totally change our format completely. We're just going to pick a representative from each sport. So football, baseball, basketball, hockey, we're just going to pick one guy who is representative of the best that 17 has to offer. And Rudy, I will let you spin the wheel and pick whichever one you want and you can talk about them. So go for it. I'm going to take our football guy. Let's see. Uh, now the old man, Philip Rivers, who just looks ridiculous every weekend for the Colts, by the way. <laughs> I feel kind of sorry for him. I don't think that's working out the way either of them thought it would. But War 17, because that was his dad's high school number. I mean, he's in his 17th season. There you There's go. another guy in his 17th season with the now with the Colts. 16 of those, obviously, with the Chargers. He's probably heading to the Hall of Fame. Man, he's probably heading to the Hall of Fame. I just said that out loud. Um, he, he just hasn't had much luck in the playoffs, but he's put up some big numbers. Phillip Rivers has also put up some big numbers at the Homestead. He's got 17 kids. No, I don't think he has 17 <laughs> he's kids. Got nine, he has a lot right? of kids. Um, he's got nine kids, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so still a lot. He's heading towards 17. So Philip Rivers is our football heat check. Yes. Well, I'll go with hockey. Ilya Kovalchuk is our hockey guy. He's a free agent right now. After playing this year with the Capitals, he's worn number 17 throughout a 13-year career. Uh, he wears that number because fellow Russian Valery Kamarlov wore that number and Kamarlov was his dad's favorite player. So we've got a theme going on with the whole dad thing and number 17. Mm. He was the first Russian-born yep. player taken number one overall when Atlanta took him in 2001. He outsigns two other 17s, Milan Lucic and Ryan Kessler. Keep us rolling, Rudy. Who else we got? Well, we got Chris Bryant in baseball. Just finished his sixth season with the Cubs. Uh, rookie of the year in 2015. MVP of the World Series in 2016. Three-time All-Star and uh, one of the biggest stars in the game. Chris Bryant also played high school baseball with... Who's that asshole that, that plays for Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, Bryce Harper, that asshole. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, they played high school baseball together in Las Vegas. So pretty good team there uh, in Las Vegas. But uh, Chris Bryant is probably – well, he's heading towards our contender list someday. But yeah. right now he's a heat check guy. Yeah. When you said asshole, I, th I thought for sure you were going to talk about Andre Ethier, but you didn't. Okay, so nice job. Oh, Which leaves us go. with basketball. I'll clean us up here. Dennis Schrader who is headed to the world champion Lakers after stops in Atlanta and Oklahoma City. So we'll see if he stays on the 17 list. We'll see if he wears 17 with the Lakers. But he averaged 19 points last year, which is why he is our basketball representative. He'll also solidify the backcourt there in L.A. He was the 17th overall pick in 2014, which is presumably the reason that he wears number 17. He wins the honor over P.J. Tucker and Garrett Temple, which brings us, Rudy, dun, 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 to the Hall of Fame, our very last Hall of Fame for the year. Start us off with number five. Number five is Keith Hernandez back into the left. One of the best first baseman, defensive first baseman of all time. A really good hitter, but really known for his defense. Um, when we retired, teammate David Cohn switched from 44 to 17 as a tribute to Hernandez. Former teammates Ron Darling, Bob Ojeda, and Roger McDowell 
all wore number 17 in tribute to Hernandez for teams they played for after leaving the Mets. So he made a pretty indelible mark on those guys. He's now a broadcaster with the Mets. And um, again, as we mentioned, a hero of ours for his uh, acting, uh, maybe debut. I'm going to call it a debut <laughs> in the greatest, one of the greatest episodes of Seinfeld ever. Keith Hernandez is number five. Who is number four? Number four is the aforementioned Chris Mullen who was a member of the original Dream Team, and he's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. As a collegian, he helped put the Big East on the map, if you remember, Rudy. He was a three-time Big East Player of the Year, three-time All-American, all at St. John's. He also won the Wooden Award in 1985, and his number 20 is retired by the school where he was the head coach, actually, following my friend Steve Lavin from 2012 to 2019. He averaged 18 points per game in his NBA career and was entered into the Hall of Fame in 2011. Keep it going, Rudy. Who's number three? Well, number three is Dizzy Dean. Fantastic name, by the way. That's an old school baseball, awesome name, Dizzy Dean. Between 1933 and 36, Dizzy Dean won 108 games. Think about that again. He probably (laughs) completed all of those games. (laughs) His career was cut short uh, when he was hit by a line drive in the 1937 All-Star game. Well, at least it wasn't on a coin toss. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The line drive hit him in the foot. He broke his toe, or as he said, fractured. The damn thing's broken. Um, (laughs) He became a broadcaster after his career ended. He's a Hall of Famer, inducted in 1953, and his number 17 has been retired uh, by the Cardinals since 1974 when they retired that number. So Dizzy Dean is number three. Who is number Number two. Number two is Yari Curry, who we mentioned earlier, the first Finnish player to have 100 points and 50 goals. He set an NHL record for goals by a right winger with 71 in 1985, and he also won the Lady Bing Trophy that year. He finished his career with the as the highest scoring European-born player, 601 goals, 779 assists, 1,398 points. He was the 25th player in NHL history to reach 1,000 points. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2001. And that same year, the Oilers saw clear to retire number 17, which leaves us with one guy left, Rudy. Who do we got? Yeah, well, it's John Havlicek. Um, Havlicek steals the ball. The Johnny most, most overheard. I hate that call, actually. But um, Havlicek did a lot more than just steal balls for the Boston Celtics. He won tons of championships. Was a really good player. He's also a friend. It's interesting. So he was a friend of Wendy's, uh, the the hamburger joint. Wendy's founder, Dave Thomas's, um, and he supposedly babysat for Wendy herself. Any in any event, he was smart enough to invest early on in the restaurant and basically never had to work again. We were talking to Jim Hart earlier about the fact they didn't make the killing on the uh, the salaries that yep. they do now, so they had to do other things. John Havlicek invested in Wendy's. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. Um, he retired in 1978. Unfortunately, he died last year of Parkinson's disease, so he's no longer with us. But, um, man, you go to the Garden, it feels like his legend will never never die at the Garden. His number 17 obviously hangs in the rafters there. What a good list, man. That's a that's a really good list. John Havlicek, number one. Yari Curry, number two. Dizzy Dean, number three. Chris Mullen, number four. And 
Keith Hernandez, number five. That's a strong way to close out our first season of putting up numbers, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. That will do it for season one of putting up numbers. Our thanks to the great Jim Hart for joining us. Uh, although season one is ending, you can still follow us at puttinupnumbers.com and on social media. And as soon as we know when season two will debut, we will let you know. If you haven't already, please rate and review the show as well on your favorite podcast app. Rudy, thanks. This has been tons of fun, huh? Well, it's great, man. We we uh, had zero to do during the, uh, the first <laughs> shutdown during a pandemic, and we we said, hey, you know what? Let's let's start a podcast about something that we dig, which is Jersey numbers. And man, it's been so much fun. We've talked to so many different people, some childhood heroes, you know, some recently retired guys one guy that started his own twitter universe (laughs) super 70s guy um it's been a lot of fun so we we got to jump back into season two and start coming up with some uh some new celebrities to talk to that was fun absolutely absolutely well we will be back at a time and place of our choosing with another edition of putting up numbers but until then i'm tom davis and i'm rudy clanick and we'll see you sometime on putting up numbers